Hello and welcome to the 11th episode of the Create Stuff Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Saxon, and I have a few things before we jump in. This podcast is usually streamed live at twitch.tv slash Saxon, but this one was not due to time constraints. I would usually plug my Patreon here, but I'm not going to do that today because the topic of this episode just doesn't really feel like it fits it. So instead, I implore you to consider donating to the Guide Dog Foundation. Link is in the description. This nonprofit charity provides blind people like my guest today with guide dogs that are well-trained and well-cared for to help guide them throughout their daily lives and take them where they need to go. It's an amazing organization. They're really cool. And I'm pretty sure John Bramley got his dog from there too. Please consider donating. They're wonderful. Also, this podcast is not sponsored by them. I just think they're really cool. Anything mentioned in the podcast is in the description. Enjoy the interview. Welcome to the, uh, I want to say this is going to be the, te- oh, nope, 11th episode of the Create Stuff podcast. Kind of close. Uh, today, my guest is the blind artist, John Bramblett. Uh, thanks so much, Sean. I'm, I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, I'm super excited to have you. So, like, uh, we'll just get right into it. What's your story? Oh, man. Well, um, oh, that's, a, a <laughs> that's funny. Um, it it, it kind of, it, it stumped me a little bit when you said that. I don't know. I'm a painter. Um, I, I'm an artist. I'm, I'm the first, I'm the first blind, blind muralist in the world. I, um, mm-hmm. but I, I, I do, I, I do a lot of work in the studio. I'm a portrait painter and, um, and I work, work with museums. I do all this stuff, but, but I, um, I'm blind. I lost my eyesight about 20 years ago. And, um, um, so I'm a visually impaired visual artist. A non-visual visual artist, which is an oxymoron. It's a mouthful too. It's <laughs> a lot to say. <laughs> yeah. So, so um, you know, I, I just uh, I, I I just work as an artist. I'm I'm a painter, and that's that's what I've been doing ever since college. Okay. Super cool. Sounds really challenging. It is. You know, it's funny. Um, it, when it, when I first started painting, I thought I was out of my mind because there weren't really blind painters. I think there might have been a guy in in, in Turkey. Uh, but this was like 20 years ago and I didn't know about this guy and I didn't find about him until a long time later. And I was in college and I, I've had epilepsy my whole life. And then I, I found out that I was losing my eyesight in college and I thought everything was over. I thought, you know, my, everything was just done. Like that was it. I, I didn't know anything about blindness and, and, and I thought I had to leave school. I thought, I thought everything was just done and, and it, I was really fortunate though, because at the school I went to, they had a really good office of disability accommodations, and I went by to say goodbye. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm going there. They say I'm losing my eyesight. They were like, "Heck no, John! You you can do whatever you want." Like you, you know, they made it so I was able to stay in school. I was able to get all the help I needed, and um, but so I was really fortunate, you know, then. And but I think I could draw before I could walk. Like art's always been a big part of my life, and growing up, I had a lot of health problems and. Art was always my way of dealing with it, you know, all, all the way up until college until when, you know, I lost my eyesight and I didn't think I'd be able to do art anymore. But, you know, it just, it just, it just goes to show what, 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 you know, how smart I was <laughs> at the time. I had no idea, <laughs> but man, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, um, what, what do you, what do you want to know? I'll, 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 I'll talk about anything. <laughs> Okay, I actually do have a little list of questions here, and I want to quickly say a very big thank you to some of the previous like artists I've had on this podcast, mm-hmm. especially Dropster, Wolfie the Witch, Kazoo Does Art, Public Spam Account, Amblerose Moon, and Arodia, because I asked I asked everybody for questions that I've had on all, all the artists I've had, because I thought it would give a little bit more of a of a unique perspective. Oh, so I'm not that's an artist great myself, idea. so 
Yeah, they all ask some very good questions, and uh, pretty much all of them are included here. Ooh, except man. public spam accounts question about what your favorite type of cheese is, which I have <laughs> decided to not include. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Sorry, public spam account. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, PSA. You already got your 30 minutes of talking about cheese on my podcast. <laughs> um, so, like, what about art is, like, so appealing to you? Oh, man, you know, um, art. art is really special. It's... You know, I, I never thought, well, after I lost my eyesight and I started painting, I never thought anybody would ever see a, a painting of mine. But, I mean, it wasn't even an idea. It was just my way of dealing with the anger and the depression. And the, the wonderful thing about art is that it just it just cuts to the core of you. I mean, it's it's so deep. It, it You know, g- growing up, I had a lot of health problems. Um, I had a kidney removed by the time I was seven. I was born with ep- epilepsy. And... And it developed into severe epilepsy and had some neurological problems. And all my all my childhood, I was in and out of hospitals. And if I was having a bad day, you know, I had a wonderful family and friends. But um, another way of dealing with the bad days was art. You know, I, I could draw, and art art will take you out of whatever that you're in. You know, and it, it gives you a way to have some control over things. And if I was having a good day, art's a great way to celebrate a good day. So. I, I think I could draw before I could walk and every day of my life. And I mean, every day I would draw every day. And I, I'm a huge nerd. So I always have been. So I always took classes and I read every book I could. And I just try to, you know, just soak up as much knowledge as I could from other people that were into art. And I did that, you know, and by the time I was in college, I, I, I could draw the, the blueprints for a house. I could, um, I, I could do a por- portrait. I, um, you know, car- cartoons, anime, all these different things. I love to draw anything that I could draw. I didn't paint, though, because I didn't think I'd be a good painter. So everything was just sort of black and white and gray. You know, it was, it was, all, it was a lot of graphite, a lot of drawing, uh, using pencils and pens and things like that. But but art is just, it, it it's it's just incredible in how, and, it, and to be honest, if it wasn't for art, I, w- I wouldn't be where I am now. Like, I, I mean, I wouldn't, I, I, I would have lost myself. You know, whenever I lost my eyesight in college, I was so angry and I was so depressed. And I thought I knew what depression was like, but, you know, I, I, I set a, I set a personal record, I think, for the amount of anger and the amount of depression that I hit <laughs> then. It was just, it was just, you know, I really peaked out. And one, one of the things though, whenever I started, whenever you lose your eyesight, you start learning how to do everything in new ways. And one of the things you learn is orientation and mobility training. And that's, that's where if you've ever seen a, a, a blind person with a white cane, um, that's, that's the training that you, you learn to be able to use the white cane. And you learn how to travel independently so that you can get around your house. You learn how to trail. You learn how to orient yourself to everything. You also learn how to travel independently across the city. So you learn how to cross streets all by yourself, how to, how to, you know, how to go wherever you want, how to get a taxi, you know, wh- whatever that you want to do so you can do it by yourself. And I started thinking, well, dang, if you can cross a city by just using your other senses, like using your sense of touch with a cane, using your hearing, you know, and you cross the city without getting hit by a car and knocking over too many people, surely you could use the same techniques to get across a canvas. You know, if you just use those same ideas, the same ways of, 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 of getting around and you apply it to a canvas, it ought to work the same. So that's where I started um, painting like that. And I, and I, but I, it's, during that time, though, there weren't really blind painters around. Like I said, there was one guy in Turkey, I think, that might have been painting at the time. Um, but I, so I thought I was crazy. I thought I was out of my mind. Like a blind person painting—that's that's nuts. 
And um, so I didn't tell anybody <laughs> that I was starting it. And um, <laughs> but oh my goodness, it was the best thing that I could have done because you know whenever you whenever you have a little bit of paint on the end of a brush, you're not thinking about anything in the past. You're not thinking about anything you lost. You're not concerned about the future. The only thing that's on your mind is getting that paint on the brush to where to where you want it to be, and that's all you're thinking. You know, so you're it's forcing you in the moment, and that's something that I really needed at the time. So, art for me, it was my way out of the darkness. Like I had lost all hope. You know, it was just my way of of getting back to normal, of reconnecting with people, and um, and that's still why I paint and. And when I started, I would paint 14, 16 hours a day. Then I'd, I'd go to school, you know, I'd go to the university and I'd hang out with friends and then I'd go back home and, um, and then I would just paint and I got very little sleep and I still, to this day, I still paint eight to 10, 12 hours a day, seven days a week. But you know, it's, I'm a little obsessed, a little obsessed with art, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it. There are worse things to be obsessed with, to be fair. That's true. That's true. At least, at least it's healthy. That's true. <laughs> Well, uh, can you take me through the process of creating a piece of art? You know, it's funny. Like when I first started, um, whenever I first lost my eyesight, I, I, I didn't, I didn't understand anything about blindness. I didn't know anything about blindness except for what I learned from TVs and, and TV shows and movies. And that's not a really great place to learn about blindness. So <laughs> I, 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 I was afraid that I would forget what color looked like. And I was afraid, you know, I, I just had no idea what perception really was. And, and it's funny because the way that, that I create art now is the same way that I, I, I start whenever I was sighted because art, the perception of it, your, the image that you have, it always starts in your mind. So whenever I start a painting, I always think about what it is that I want to paint. And because I have to do it in a certain way, I always sort of paint the painting in my mind, thinking about the steps that I need to take because, you know, um, I have to be careful because, you know, if I touch the wrong spot of the canvas, I'll smear the paint, I'll, I'll leave fingerprints everywhere, I'll do all this sort of stuff. Um, so I need, to, I need to think about how I'm going to approach a painting. But I always paint it in my mind first. And, um, you know, and that's, that's something that's true. Even if, you know, it's so interesting, I think, for like perception. For like a sighted person, you know, if you're sighted, you think you're seeing with your eyes. And you are in a way. But that image that you're seeing in your mind is actually in your mind. I mean, it's not your eyes, which is, I mean, I know that sounds crazy, but you, the eyes are just taking in um, light light waves. And then as soon as it enters the, the lens and hits the back of your, your, your eye, it's turning into a, to, to an electrical chem, chemical response that travels back to the brain. And then, and then there's like 10 or 12 different areas in your brain that light up and they start forming the image. But it's forming it in the same way than, um, that you would if you're dreaming or if you're imagining, which is the weirdest thing. So, so, um, that's, that's one of the things that I've had the hardest time with is explaining to people who are, who are sighted that a person who's blind can actually imagine. You can, you can think of an image. But if you think about it, Sean, like when you're dreaming at night and your eyes are closed, you know, and you're fully asleep and you have a dream. Mm -hmm. It can seem extremely real. Like whatever it is that you're seeing in that dream, it seems, it feels like you're actually looking at it. And that's because that's the same part of your brain that's forming the image that it does when you're awake. Like your brain is like a computer and it doesn't really care where it's getting the information from. That, that, that visual cortex, you know, the, the occipital lobe back there. It could be getting information from your eyes, could be, could be getting it from a memory, could be getting it from like parts that are making up your imagination. But it's putting that image together and your brain, it doesn't really care. You know, that image is an image. 
Um, uh-huh. So isn't that, isn't that strange? So whenever you're blind, that part of your brain is still there. You're just not using your eyes. And it's so funny because when, whenever you imagine something, you're using, I, I forget, it's something like 10 or 11 or 12 parts of your brain. But only one of them, um, like if you're using your eyesight, you just add one more area. So it's like you're using like 13 or something. But the other are exactly the same. So so if you're imagining something or if I'm imagining something, it's very, very similar. You know, it's it's um you know, it's pretty much the same. So so the way that I started painting now is really the same way that I did when I was sighted. I imagine it. <laughs> the only difference is that I take in information in a different way. Like I don't I can't use my eyes. So I take in information using my hands, like touch, like um um if I'm painting someone, if it's someone that everybody knows, like I've done paintings of of lots and lots of different musicians of um, like Jeff, Jeff, Jeff Bridges, Tony Hawk, um, other actors, other, you know, uh, people. But if it's somebody that somebody knows, uh, I'll, the way that I'll understand what they look like is I'll feel their face and, um, you know, and I'll, I'll spend a little time with them. That way I can really feel like all the wrinkles in their face or, and all that. And then, <laughs> but then I can visualize it and then, and then I can go and then I, I can do the painting. So I'm sorry. I rambled on. I, I, I know you asked a simple question. And then I took it all over the place. I apologize. <laughs> no, no, don't worry. Don't worry. That was all super interesting. It is like crazy to think about that. Do you prefer to draw mostly based off of like, like uh, doing, po- uh, what's the word? Like portraits and still life of things that already exist? Or do you do more based off of like your, like uh, emotions? You know, it, it, it's generally based, based off of, um, well, you know, it's kind of both, which is, um, the, the color from the paintings and all, they come from music. When I hear music, I see color. And, mm-hmm. you know, whenever I was sighted, if I did a portrait of a person and the, and the portrait, if, if it looked like them, like if I was drawing it and it actually looked like the person, then I think, oh, that's, that's, the, that's a good drawing. But it kind of shifted whenever I lost my eyesight because my, my idea of what perception is changed. You know, like, you know, where, let's say if a, fa- if, if, if a family member of ours w- walked into the room, Everybody would see the same person. Like you would, everybody would see the same face, the clothes, their hairdo, all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So everybody's getting the same visual sort of information, but everybody also feels di- different about that person. You know, like like you may see them, and if it's one of your family members, you ha- you have a whole lifetime of experience with them. So you have lots of different emotions and feelings. Someone else may think, oh, you know that that seems like a really nice person. Somebody else might say, ooh, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think I'd want to hang out with them. You know, it's just it's completely different. So I got, I got really interested in perception. So with, with my artwork, I, 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 the drawing of the, my, the drawing that I do, I try to do a simple drawing, you know, where it's like the bones of a person or it's the bones of the painting where the lines will, will, it'll, it'll, it'll tell you what it is or who it is. So you can look at it and you understand, but then the color is the emotion, the feeling. So how, how, how you actually feel about the person or if it's a musician, like, um, like I, I, like, I do a lot of CD covers and stuff for, for bands and different things. And, and so I'll listen to their music and, and I'll, you know, and maybe I'll, I'll feel one of their faces and, and I'll, I'll, um, and I'll, I'll paint their face, but then I'll use the music to, to be the color for it. So it's a little of both, you know, it's a little emotion. I like, I like to mix them up, you know, you know, that's really interesting. Just, just take a little from the real world and then a little from the emotional sides of things. Cause, you know, we all live in this concrete world, but, we're, we also live in this world of emotion and feelings and ideas that, you know, we, we try to meld them together in our real life. And I'm trying to do that in my paintings. But, um, you know, it's a, it's a daily task. <laughs> I'm still working on it. 
Okay, that's really interesting. Another question I had, which you've answered, is like, uh, why you use colors so much? But that like that makes it so interesting. Do you have synesthesia? Yeah, I yeah. That, right? I had it all. You know, I've had it all my life, and I thought I thought everybody saw color with music, which which is which is the most common form of synesthesia. But I um, mm. but I I never really thought too much about it. I mean, I always had it, but 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 whenever I lost my eyesight, it became way more important because. I wasn't getting color from my eyes, so I was getting color from my ears <laughs> more, <laughs> which is a funny thing to, to, to think of. But, um, but, but, but it, it helps so much with the artwork. Like I, most most of the artwork I do is commission is, is commissions. So I, I I'm always about six months to a year out of commission. So, um, and so I'm working on it. But like, let's say if a if a wife says, "Oh, I want to commission a painting of my of when I first met my husband." You know, or, or this person that I, that I love. And it's really hard to paint that feeling, you know, of when they met. Like, you know, it's hard for them to explain it. You know, how do you, how do you explain that, that feeling, that emotion? And, mm-hmm. but it's much easier if she can say, well, you know, here, here's a song that, that, that makes me feel that same way. Or, or, or here's an artist and their music, it just, it just puts me right in that same spot. So then, so then I can take the music, I can, t- you know, I can listen to it in the studio. And in my studio, I have the setup for like a small club in here, like lots of speakers, uh, full range of sound. So I can, I can, <laughs> I can really have it thumping if I need to, but, but I can use that music though. And it'll give me the, that same emotional feeling. And then I can put that into the painting. So, you know, so it turns out like being able to use your ears for color really helps when it comes to, to painting. Uh huh. Super interesting. Is there like a particular genre of music you tend to like uh, have as a go-to for when you're painting? No, no. You know, it's funny. I, I, the more, the more that I listen to music and I, I get sent music from people all over the world and, and it, I, I love so much different music. It's just, it's, it's, it's just incredible. It's just amazing. I'm always looking for new, new music. Um, and especially if it's live, like, like live music is my favorite. Like I, you know, I, whatever they're playing, if it's polka, I don't care. Like if they're playing and the band's really into it and the crowd's into it, then yes, like the, you get the best colors and the best energy. I don't sit around in my studio and just listen to, to polka music or, you know, or, or something like that. But if it's live, then it's awesome, you know, or if it's, um, you know, if it's punk, if it's rock, if it's, you know, if it's EDM, it's, you know, it, it's awesome. I mean, I, 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 it just depends on the, on the on the vibe that you're wanting to get, you know, for the for a painting. So I listen to it all. Um, it would one one genre that that kind of that kind of surprises me that I, I keep kind of going back to though is 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 New New Orleans jazz, and because mm-hmm. it's jazz, but it's brass and it's really ha- like it's it's just like it's in your face, um, which is really cool. And there's there's even a rap style that that's kind of spun off that called bounce. Which is really good. It's like rap, but then there's brass instruments in it, and it's just like, like, dang, <laughs> that's that's different. <laughs> so that actually sounds super cool. I might have to check that out. Yeah, it's, you know, well, it goes from being. I got to be honest. When it comes to balance, there's it goes from really cool to really bad. <laughs> so, so you got to pick and choose. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Well, what would you recommend as far as bounce goes? What band, I should say? Dang, I don't know. Um, gosh, there's there's a song by Cheeky Black that's really good, but but it's just it's really foul though. It's a lot of bad words. So you know if I don't you know so, <laughs> so you gotta. But I don't know. It's just I I don't know. You, hmm. Yeah, she's she's good, but also good, good Galactic. That 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 isn't bounce, but 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 Galactic is an Orleans band. 
and they're really good because they're they're instrumentals. But 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 they they have all these different singers that'll come, and they'll and they'll get um the, these singers that you've never heard of, and some and some that you have, and they'll, and they'll you know and they they love to play with Galactic, and they'll it's just it's really good because they're 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 a great band for for getting a really big range of different things. You know you know a lot of times you hear a band. And every song sounds the same, you know, which is cool if they're a good band. But after a while, you think like, yeah, that's, you know, that's that's great. But it sort of sounds like, like that last song they just played. With Galactic, it can sound very, very different. So so I'll mm-hmm. I'll give a plug for Galactic. <laughs> okay, very cool. I might have to check that out. And if you guys also want to check that out, links to both of the bands that he mentioned will be in the description. Oh, if man. I can find them on YouTube or like wherever I can find them, uh, there'll be a link there. Cheeky, oh my goodness, Chad, she's, she's nuts. So that'll be, she isn't big at all. Like in New Orleans bounce, like she, you know, she, she, but nowhere else. <laughs> She's crazy. Okay. Awesome. That's super cool. How do you choose colors? Well, you know, you know, um, I, there, there, there is something about color I could tell you though. Cause one of the, one, one of the things I'm asked a lot is how, 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 how can I tell the difference between color if I can't see them? Yeah, yeah. You know, so I um and I do it through touch, but 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 it isn't that every color feels different. I I I I make the colors feel different. So I don't I don't have like a like a superpower of being able to touch like a red a red shirt and say, "Oh, this is a red shirt. I can feel the vibrations of the red." It isn't anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> I actually um one 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 of the wonderful things about paint is that paint's actually made up of stuff. So it's so like to break paint down to the, to the simplest way, it's a, it's a medium, which is just the sticky stuff that holds paint together. And then it's a color, which is the pigment. And there's more stuff that goes into paint, but really, you know, it's basically, it's color and then it's sticky stuff that won't let it fall off the canvas. So, you know, those are the two things you need to make paint. Well, the great thing about the medium is that, is that you can change it. So there's all these different mediums that you can add to paint. So, um, I started with oils, but now I, I, I just paint with acrylics. I love acrylics and, and acrylics has this huge range of, of mediums. So let's say if I, if I have a white paint, I can mix a medium into it that makes it really, really thick. You know, it can feel like toothpaste. Then for black, I can mix a different medium into it that makes it really runny and it feels like oil. So so on my palette, I'll have this really thick paint and this really runny paint. And I know the thick paint's got to be white and the runny paint's got to be black. So it's really easy. It's really easy to be able to tell the difference that if I want to mix them together... You know, if I want a gray halfway between the white and the black, I just mix for the texture that's right between the two. So I mix them together and I just get that viscosity that's half as thick or, or twice as runny or, or whatever it is that I'm going for. And then I know what color it is. So that, that's, that's one way. And that's the most fun way, really, is being able to mix it with the texture. Um, and then when it dries, it looks like any other paint. Like you wouldn't know that it had been mixed differently, which was important for me because I wanted my art... I wanted my art to, to at least match what a, what, a, what a sighted person could do. So I didn't want my paint to look different. So when it dries, it looks normal. But when it's wet, it has, has this different quality to it. And uh, But also, though, I use Braille. So I'll just Braille my, my paint tubes. So in my blue paint tube, you know, like the cerulean blue, I'll write, you know, CV. Because I'm really lazy when it comes to Braille. I just, I Braille the, the, the least amount of letters that I can. So I'll put CV. I know, okay, that's cerulean blue. You know, um, this, this is thylacinide. This is, you know cadmium this or that and so i can write that on there and then um you know and, and another way of doing it it's just a recipe so you know you know it's just like if you're baking a cake you know so like so like if i if i know oh, okay it's nine parts of white in this and one part black that's always going to make this shade of gray you know if i do five parts white five parts black it's going to make this different shade of gray 
you know, and it's just like, oh. like, you know, if I was throwing in all, all the ingredients to, to make a cake, if I put all the ingredients together, you know, the cake may be okay, it may be bad, but you're always going to end up with some kind of cake. You're never going to end up like with scrambled eggs or something, you know? So there's, there's, there's lots of different ways to be able to handle color. And that, that one way with the texture, I actually have a workshop and I've done this with, I, I've worked with museums for about 15 years. I've, I've worked with, with the Metropolitan, the, the Guggenheim, the um, dozens of museums all over the country. And there's one workshop that I do and where I blindfold everyone and then I have them paint the way that I paint. In about five or 10 minutes, I have people actually mm-hmm. painting and, and being able to tell color. And um, it's a lot of fun. It sounds like it would be hard to do. But it's so much fun mm-hmm. because I get the blindfold on and I, and I and I give everybody some instructions and they have a raised line drawing where you can actually fill the lines on the drawing. In about five or ten minutes, everybody's painting and you just hear you just hear all these people going, oh, you know, as it kind of dawns on them because they're feeling the paint, they're feeling the lines, and then they start putting it together. You know, it's just incredible what what the human brain can do. I think it's just it sounds like it would be hard, but once you get started, um, there's some little tips and tricks that make it a lot easier. Uh-huh. So I went off on. Oh, I just go. I just go crazy on this. I'm sorry. I just ramble all over the place. I get. <laughs> I get so excited when I talk about art, Sean. I apologize. I just. I, you ask one question, and I just. I end up talking about something completely different. No, don't worry about that at all. Honestly, if you just answered my questions and then like stopped, I would run out of questions far before we are at like near the time that this should be. <laughs> so I'm very happy you're rambling. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Well, good deal. And I, it's also just super interesting to hear all of this. How could someone uh, get into one of your workshops? You know, it just um, the, the the workshops are always free. Um, um, so it just depends if I and, and I always make it a point. Like if I'm working at a museum, if I'm working at a gallery, um, if I'm working with a gallery, I make them do workshops. <laughs> it's one of the it's one of the it's one of the the contingents of having me go there is that they'll put on workshops. Um, so it's just if I'm showing there, you know, and um, so I don't I don't really do art lessons or anything like that. But you know if I'm working at, if I'm working in a museum in a town, then I'll generally do do some art workshops with different charities and nonprofits there, just 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 for the fun of it. Um, so it's you know it's kind of hit and miss with that. Um, every every Tuesday on, on on Facebook we just do a live stream, which um, is really really silly. It's really <laughs> it's just hanging out in the studio and and um, and chatting. And sometimes I'll do like a little. Um, like a painting thing where I'm like, okay, let's paint this. But most of the time it's just hanging out in the studio, chatting about whatever and playing some games and stuff. And maybe, maybe get giving away some art, but, um, <laughs> but I don't know with the workshops, it's just sort of hit, hit and miss really, because I don't have anything scheduled right now because of COVID. Um, I've been doing a lot of workshops over zoom. So I'll work with schools and, and I'll, I'll talk to classrooms and, and, um, and museums and things like that. So, um, mm-hmm. But, but, you know, but it's a ton of fun. I love, I love doing, doing the workshop. So I can't, I can't, can't wait for, to, to get started with them again next year. All right. That's super cool. Sounds like it would be an awesome workshop. Oh, it's always fun. It's, it's, you know, it's brilliant. I love, I love going into a museum because they're always so stuffy and then, <laughs> and then we'll do these workshops and, <laughs> and we just have, 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 have a group of people going through the museum, just laughing and having a really good time and, and and, the, and and with the museums too, it's it's really nice because they have amazing art from these incredible painters. So we'll, so we'll go through the galleries and we'll we'll look at some of the artwork. We'll describe it. Um, and I've I've done workshops in there where, you know, like if it's Italian art, maybe we'll we'll, we'll bring we'll bring Bellinis. So if somebody's over twenty one, they, they can have a Bellini while they're looking at the Italian art. They have some Italian <laughs> food. We've I've done them where um, like if you know like there was once like, it was a 
an old Spanish painting of, of these of these people doing the tango. So I had some some dancers come in and they and they actually dance for us while while we're looking at the Spanish art. And um, there was once with a, a, a there was a painting of a pope. So I had an actor come in and portray the pope. He wasn't the pope, but it was a lot of fun because you could ask him questions and he would try to answer. <laughs> so you know, just anything to make it more interesting and fun. You know, we'll we'll um, you know, because art 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 is action. You know, painting is a verb. You know, and and museums have turned into this place where it's almost like a like it's like a church or a quiet space, you know, where 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 people just sort of murmur. They kind of walk through, they shuffle through. No, no, everybody's afraid to make noise. So usually when I go to, to a museum, it's a lot of painting, a lot of fun, a lot of laughing. And, um, you know, it just it just makes it more like it should be, I think. OK, that's great. That is super fun. I would enjoy a museum a lot more if that was what my experience was. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So it actually leads me to this question. Can you like experience other uh, like paintings done by other people still? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I love, I love going to galleries and museums and especially with my wife because she's really good at describing things. Um, she, she, she has a master's in design and she'll, um, she just has a great eye when, when it comes to art. So, so she'll actually describe the paintings to me in a way that, that it really helps me to understand it. Um, which is brilliant. And, and also a, a lot of times I, I'll, I'll, I'll be able to touch the painting. So it depends on, uh, you know, if a painting is on loan to a museum, um, but, or if it's like a private collector, um, I've been able to touch Van Gogh's and Monet's, Picasso's and stuff from, from, from private collections, which is brilliant wow. because you can actually feel the brush strokes. Like you can feel where the bristles are actually cutting through, through the paint. And, and, and it's, it's just, it's just incredible. I mean, you know, cause like, on, on, on some paintings, you can tell because like if it's a stippling, then you know, oh, their hand is going up and down, up and down right here. So, you know, hundreds, hundreds of, of years, years ago, like Monet, Monet's hand was right here and it had to be in this position, you know, and, 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 you know, or this other stroke where it's sort of a languid kind of a slow sort of stroke going through. And you knew that whenever, whenever the painter did that, he had to be calm. You know, there's no other way to make a stroke like that. So you almost can step into their mental state and understand what, what it is they were feeling when they were doing the painting. And even though I'm a nerd and I've taken every class I can on art and I've talked, you know, I've, I've, I've read all the books that I can on color theory and everything else. <laughs> I, I've learned more from art from, from other, other artists than I have from any, any, anyone else. Like, like contemporary artists where I can go to an art show and usually artists are some of the nicest people you'll ever meet. And, and they'll actually let, let me touch their paintings, you know, so I can feel their brush strokes. You know, if, if it's, if it's a type of art that has brush strokes or, you know, if it's raised up a little bit. So, and if not, then, then, then they'll at least des- describe to me what's there and, and what it is they were trying to achieve and, and, and how, how they went about it. And it, it's just incredible. You know, it's, it's funny whenever we think about, about painting and about artwork, um, we, we, we've reduced it just down to the visual world, really. You know, which is like, like we were just you were saying before in museums where everybody kind of walks through, everybody's quiet. We're not using all of our senses. We're just, you know, people are just using their eyesight. But art, art is supposed to reflect life. You know, it's supposed to reflect all the good things and everything about life. Like it's the truest expression that we have about every idea, emotion, feeling that we have. And yet when we experience art, all we're using is our eyesight, which is, you know, just seems strange, you know, in a big way. So, you know, so actually being able to go in there and being able to use our hearing, our, our, you know, like, like a lot of the um, walks that I do through museums and stuff, when we're talking about the artwork, we'll actually bring things for people to taste, to smell, to feel, to touch, 
you know, to listen to, to move at, you know, to, to get in the same positions of the people in the paintings, just everything we can to, to really engage all of our brain. And it, you know, it just makes the, the art so much better, so much more engaging and interesting. Yeah, that is super interesting. Very sorry about my dogs, by the way. Oh, no, hey, dogs, <laughs> dogs are bright. My, I, I have a seeing eye dog and she's currently snoring. I don't think you can hear her, but she's, <laughs> she's down by my feet. Um, she's always there. Her name is Eagle, and she is a sweetheart, and she's the smartest dog in the world, I, but um, she's currently unconscious, <laughs> asleep. <laughs> what, 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 what kind of dogs do you have? Oh, I have Yorkie Poos mixed between a Yorkshire and a Poodle. Oh, my oh, goodness, that's awesome. awesome. <laughs> yeah, they're super cute, but... Very, very loud. I'll probably just cut out that part of my audio. Thankfully, that is a nice thing about recording on different audio tracks. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I actually, um, at my university, we have a program uh, for fostering and training service dogs. I'm a secondary sitter for an organization near there, meaning like there's a foster on campus who has a dog with them at all times mm -hmm. to like help it socialize when it's like just in the beginning of its training. And whenever they need to not be with the dog for any reason, like a, like a like they have a lab to go to that would be dangerous for it, etc. They have me take care of it, and it is really nice. It is so interesting, like training and taking care of service dogs. Oh, that's awesome, man! That's that, that's really great that, that that you do that. Yeah, it is a great experience. What's it like having a service dog? Um, it's 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 really good. I uh, <laughs> it's I I traveled with with a cane for about eight years, and um. Generally, with with my work, I, I um I before COVID, I would fly about about twice a month, sometimes more, giving talks and doing shows and stuff. And with my cane, you know, I would travel all over the the country. A lot of times, it was just me. Sometimes I would have someone that, that would go with me. Um, but with a guide dog, it's completely different. I mean, it's so much easier. It's just ridiculous. Like, um, and and also, it's like having a best friend. Like, I have a shadow with me all the time. Like, she's. So, so, so one thing about having a seeing eye dog is, is like you gain like 40 pounds immediately or 50 or how much are they weigh? Cause they're always there. And, but it, they're, they're brilliant. And like with a cane, it's awesome. And you have to have really good cane skills before you can get a guide dog because, because it's you that's controlling the guide dog. You have, you have to be able to tell them what, what you want and be able to cross streets and all this sort of stuff. But, um, with a guide dog though, like going into crowds and things is incredible. Like with a cane, you have to trail walls and, um, and then going, like trying to cut through a room through a crowd, it just means you're tripping a lot of people. It's a little difficult. You know, you got to try mm -hmm. to stay on a straight line. With a guide dog, you can just say, go go forward, and she'll find the best way to get through the crowd, and she'll zip you through it. Um, and another thing about the guide dogs that we have now is they're, they're different than the way they used to be. Like the old guide dogs used to do a thing called a route, and all, 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 all they would do is route. So, so maybe they could take you to a bus stop or they could take you to work or to a coffee shop. You know, maybe maybe to a place to get Uber or something like that, but that's kind of it. <laughs> but like the the new guide dogs are fines. So let's say if I'm in, if I'm in New York and I'm giving a talk, and I'm at a hotel um, with a with a, with a whole lot of elevators, only one button. I can ask Eagle to find the elevator. She'll find them wherever they are, um, and she'll if I ask her to find the button, she'll put her nose right underneath the button for the elevator. So show me where it is. If I'm in the airport and I want to find the men's room, she knows the difference between a men's bathroom and a ladies' bathroom. It's kind of like the, um, it's kind of like how a bomb sniffing dog or drug sniffing dog, you know, they're trained to find that. Mm -hmm. she, she, she's trained to, to, to know the difference between a men's bathroom and a lady's bathroom. And she'll find it, even if it's gates and gates away in the bathroom. She knows, um, you, you can ask her to find like a urinal, the stall, the tr trash can, the sink. You know, she knows what all this stuff is. You know, if you're traveling around, you want to 
you know, if you have your smartphone with you and you want to go to a coffee shop, you're at the hotel and you're bored, you can ask the phone, you know, where, where's the closest co- co- coffee shop, you know, in walking directions. And then you just tell Eagle, like, okay, Eagle, go forward, find left. You know, the, the phone is telling you where to go and you're just telling Eagle, you know, or the, your guide dog. It's just, it's just incredible what, what they can do. And then you get there, you know, it's like Eagle, find the door, Eagle, find the counter, Eagle, find, find a chair. And then she'll find a chair at an empty table. Which is something that that, that that Eagle does. My first guide dog that I had, um, at first she she had to learn to find an empty table because she would always find a, a chair at a table with other people. So so sometimes <laughs> at a coffee shop I would just you know if everybody's really quiet you know everybody's kind of like like you know doing their own thing. Um, I would sit at a table and I might I might be there for a minute before you know they they notice that I'm there. <laughs> so like, oh, hi. <laughs> so I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of weird. And then at the airport, she'll she'll remember what seat I was sitting at. So before with a cane, like I would go, like like I would have somebody that have to have to take me through security, and they and they they would show me where where my gate was. And with a cane, I would just have to stay there. I would sit in my chair, and I you know I was kind of rooted to that chair because I couldn't really I didn't know what the you know I, I couldn't really explore much with a cane in a, in, a, in a place like that where that I didn't know. But with a guide dog, mm-hmm. she'll she'll remember that that's my chair. So if I want to go shopping for my son, you know, if I want to try to find a stuffed animal or a, or a knickknack or something, I don't know, something to, to take home, I I can go off. Or if I want to get a bite to eat, you know, I'll just go off and um, you know, and and, and try to find a restaurant and just explore, you know. Even in in, I know that when I say eagle eagle find 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 my chair, she'll 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 remember the way back and she'll find the spot where I was sitting. Wow, that is super cool. It's just crazy, like and that and that just scratches the surface. But 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 I but I should say too that that, that not every guide dog school trains for this yet. It's um some mm-hmm. some of them are still training the old way, and um and which I think is so sad because. You know, it, it's like like if I go to a convention, I, I, I give a lot of talks. So if I'm giving a talk at a disability convention, and I'll see I'll see people with visual impairments that are they're using an old style guide dog, um, and then you know it's just it's just like somebody's driving a Model T or something. You know, it's you know, and then and then and then I've got like the new Space Age <laughs> guide dog. <laughs> but I don't know. But 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 also so there's that. And then the other part of having a, a guide dog like Eagle is that. She is just the sweetest, sweetest, sweetest dog in the world. She's just so kind. She's so amazing, and and it makes it like when whatever. If I go into a school and if I'm giving a talk like to to let's, let's say an elementary school, and they, they put all the students in the theater or the gym or wherever to hold them, and then I walk in to to, get, to give them a little talk, and um, they could care less that I'm there. You know, all the attention's <laughs> on Eagle. You know, and which is brilliant. You know, she's 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 the best ambassador. That you could have, you know, for for spreading disability awareness and and she's just awesome. So anyway, sorry, sorry for rambling on about dogs. I'm I'm, I'm a fan of dogs, apparently, as you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I completely get it. I'm a huge fan of dogs as well. I love them so much. I started uh, helping train service dogs because I miss mine so much at college. Oh man, that's 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 awesome. That that is so important. That yeah, you know, it makes it makes such such a difference whenever you get a, a good. A good service dog. Yeah, and it is it is really fun to walk around with a dog at college. It's like if uh, if anybody listening to this, if you go to a university and you can find a program near you that does that, I highly recommend checking it out. It's like the commitment. There's a little bit of a commitment, but it isn't that bad, and it's like it's well worth it. Oh my goodness, I would imagine. I I would imagine that, that you, you know, like like if you want to make friends at college, that's probably a way to do it. Oh, <laughs> to, yeah. to, be, to be the person in the class with a with a cute dog. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, easily, easily. In our like uh, in our sign language class, which is ironic, uh, in our sign language class, somebody actually brought it. Uh, would often bring in a dog, and um, <laughs> nobody would learn anything that day because we would all just be looking at the dog the whole time. It makes everything so much happier, though. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's great. If you could choose to like regain your eyesight, would you want to? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I sure would. Um, but, but it depends. Like, like if it was like, you know, if this were like a magic sort of thing where, um, where, where you can go back in time and never have lost your eyesight, I, um, because I, I wouldn't do that, and that's not even a hard decision because it, it I, I learned so much about myself and I changed so much. I think in a positive way, it was really, really hard. It was the hardest thing that I've ever went through, but. But it, it changed my perspective on life and my perception of things, and and you know, and that and that I think has has made me a, a different person. Hope hopefully a better person. But if I could get my eyesight back now and still keep all you know everything that I learned, I definitely would. But also, if I could get like X ray vision, I would do that. If I could fly, if I could do you know any any anything like that would be great. Or <laughs> super hearing, or you know any. Anything that adds to the experience of living would, would be awesome. <laughs> but, but you know, it, it's funny. I, I guess I've been visually impaired so long and, and I've adapted to it that after, after adapting, um, I don't really feel like I, I'm missing out on anything. Like I, I don't wake up in the morning and say like, dang, I sh-, you know, if I was only sighted, then I, then I could be happy today or something. You know, it's, it's, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't feel that way at all. I don't, I don't really think, think about it like that. I did it first, of course. I was so angry and I was so depressed. And I didn't see how I'd be able to do anything in my life. I didn't see how I'd be able to, you know, have reach any goal or have anything new or, you know, I mean, all hope was gone. And that, that was just a lot of anger and depression. And it was, it's normal, you know, and, and, and I, I thought being blind made, made me different than everyone else. And then after, you know, after being able to work with, 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 with different people through art, you know, and, and I've been able to work with soldiers with PTSD and children with autism and adults with Alzheimer's. And, you know, I started to realize everybody has something in their life that they have to deal with, you know, and it doesn't have to be a disability, but there's something in their life that just seems bigger than they are. It could be like the death of a, of a loved one. You know, it could be, you know, they're, they're like, like their career suddenly ended, you know, and they don't know what they're going to do and they feel like a failure, you know, and, and that's just insurmountable to them. It feels like, you know, and so everybody has this thing that, that they're having to face. So I came to the realization, I think, that actually losing my eyesight, it, it made me more like everyone else than, than, than different. So, mm-hmm. you know, you know, we all, we, we all have stuff that we're trying to deal with. And, um, and my, mine was vision, but, um, but I was fortunate to have people that believed in me when I didn't even believe in myself. And I was able to work through that. And, you know, and, and I'm happier today than I've ever been in my life, you know, sighted or not. And, you know, and I I'm, I'm feel really like I, I feel blessed to be able to be a professional artist, like working in the career that I, I, I that I that I I love. You know, every day I wake up and I'm just so happy to be able to do what I want to do and be able to have a family to do it, share it with and. It's just, you know, it's in, in have friends and, and I started painting to connect with people and it blows my mind that I've actually connected with people. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That is really nice to hear. I know, um, I'm not sure if it's the same way in like the blind community, 
But I know in the deaf community, they have a, instead of like going deaf, they call it deaf gain because you gain like all this experience of the culture from the experience mm -hmm. of losing your hearing and like paints it as less of a negative thing and more as a positive thing, like this whole new experience and view on life. And I just, I, I think that's really cool. I agree with that a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, um, the, yeah, deaf, deaf cult, cult, culture, sorry, can't talk all of a sudden is, is, is definitely a thing. It's, it's I, they're, they are brilliant. <laughs> how, how they do yeah. that it's just it's just incredible and, and i haven't seen that with any other group really you know at the level that it is with with you know, with um with the hearing impaired and um it's just mm -hmm. it's incredible but yeah I, I, it's it's something to, to think about yeah definitely is it not the same way with uh like the blind community nah <laughs> no, 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 i mean you know like um not not as much with with that and I think I think part of it is is also a lot of people who lose their eyesight are older, and mm -hmm. and there's there's this idea I think with vision where where if you can't see, then you you can't do anything, you know. So so a lot of times when people lose their eyesight, there's a lot of depression. Um, there's there's um, you know you're you're sort of trapped in your apartment or, or your house or wherever it is that you live. Like you can't you can't even get around. Um, you start having trouble like feeding yourself. You you have to learn new ways to do everything, like how to how to cook, how to, you know, how to, how to sew a button on, how to, how to wash your clothes, how to be, how to be able to fill your, 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 your cup with water. You know, you just have to learn all these different things. And for a lot of people, it, it, it just seems insurmountable, but, but then there's this, you know, if you're able to learn, you know, the O&M and all this, then, then you, you're able to reach this level of independence where you can do anything that you want. But it, it's, um, it's just, I don't know. It's really hard. I think with the visually impaired community, um, you know, because there, 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 there's so many people that get in that and the, the depression and all, it makes it where it's hard for people to get out. So I get really excited whenever I run into someone out and about that has a cane or has a guide dog. Um, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll buy him a drink, I'll buy him a cup of coffee or whatever, cause it's just brilliant. You know, it's like, yes, this is somebody that has gone through an intense amount of work to be able to just be, be out in public and be able to travel. And, and independent, you know, and, and so I, I don't know. It's it's a little different in the different communities, and you know, and it's different. Like let's let's say if you have ep, epilepsy or another form of, of of a hidden disability, it could be a little different too. Because um, a lot of times, you know, if, if if your disability is hidden, then 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 you don't have that com, 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 camaraderie, I guess. You know, because you can hide it a little bit. You're always afraid it's going to come out. You don't know, like you don't know when it's going to happen. So. I don't is really really special. I just I, I love going to conventions and 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 hanging out with 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 people who are deaf because you know they're always so so upbeat. <laughs> uh -huh. I feel I don't know, but then maybe maybe that's just okay. my perspective on it. But I would always like you know like yes, like if I get set, set at a table with, with with people who are deaf, I'm like yes yes this this is going to be a good dinner. <laughs> We're going to have some fun. <laughs> yeah yeah. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. I'm like, uh, as I mentioned, I'm like in that sign language class. I'm learning a lot about deaf culture right now. And it is like, it is just so interesting and unique. I really love it. I'm actually considering becoming a sign language interpreter oh, because of awesome. it. Like, just speaks to me in a different way. Yeah. Like this entire interview, I've just been signing random words I see oh, wow. around the place. You know, uh, yeah, just something to do really? with my hands. But uh, I'm not super good at it or anything, but it's it's really that, cool. That's Well, that's awesome. Good Good luck with that. Yeah, thank you so much. Somebody, one of the artists I asked, uh, wanted me to ask you, has anyone ever, like, accused you of faking oh. it? 
No, no. Well, you know, it's funny. One of, one of, one of the, most, the, most, the most common question that's asked to any blind person is, is are you really blind? Because, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. you know, it's like if you, if you don't understand O&M, you don't understand how, how a person who's blind gets around, which is completely understandable. Most people only know about blindness through TV shows and movies. So, so, and, and that is so, it's so, it's hilarious. And most, um, most of that, some, there, there are some good ones, but, but most of that though, it's like, you know, if you're on a TV show and somebody loses their eyesight, um, it's like their, their, their mom will, will, will walk into the room and they'll hear, hear her and she'll say, Oh, this is your mom. They're like, Oh, who are you? And, and, and it, it's almost like they, they've been hit on the head. You know, it's like, no, you just lost your eyesight. You know who your mom is. Like, even if, even if, you know, if, 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 you know, if you're, if you're, <laughs> let's say if you're in a room and it's dark and your mom walked in and she talks to you, even though you can't see her, you're still going to know it's your mom. You know, you're not going to think, who's this stranger? Who's this crazy person that just walked into my house? You know, so, and that's the way it's, it's sort of portrayed <laughs> though on TV and movies. So whenever you see a person who's visually impaired and they can actually leave, leave their house and, and, and cross an entire city by themselves, crossing streets, going down sidewalks, you know, you know, four, four lane roads, you know, heavy traffic. They're able to find a, the, the, like, let's, let's say if they're going for a cup of coffee and they find the coffee shop and they get in, they go up to the counter, they order coffee, they go to a table and they sit down and they're just using a cane. You think how in the world that surely that person can see something. And sometimes maybe they can, there's, there's lots of different types of vi- visual impairment, but, but, but they're not using their eyesight really to get around. And you think, well, how in the world is it? Can you even do this? So, you know, but it's, mm-hmm. you just gotta, you know, know it's just, you know, there's, it's a lot of learning. It's a lot of, it's a lot of little steps to get there. Um, so, you know, there's, there's ways to, to, to accomplish all that. And it isn't really hard. It's just, it takes a lot of practice and you have to learn the skills, but it's not really that hard. So, so the main thing that most people are asked who are visually impaired, and it's kind of a running joke with people who are visually impaired, is what's the most common thing you're asked is like, are you really blind? Because, you know, if you're sitting in a coffee shop and there's nobody around, you're like, well, well, who who in the world helped helped you to get here? And it's, you know, it's funny because like if you can travel independently, it's um it's kind of funny. With me, um, I, I became the world's first blind mur- mirrorless, and I painted a 737. I've worked on four story murals. Um, I worked on murals all over the place. So whenever I'm standing in front of a mural, let's say like, you know, it's like a four-star mural in Dallas. And um, and, and then people see that. You can imagine if, if people are surprised that a person who's blind can go into a coffee shop and order a cup of coffee, what they feel when I'm standing in front of a mural that I've just painted on a building like that. It's like, well, my goodness, how does that, how did you do that? But it's the same sort of answer, you know. Yeah, it's like, yeah. well, you break it down into really little in, 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 in a baby step. So I, you know, I have ways that I can work to be able to do that, and um, you know, and I, I, I can't paint every mural, and I can't paint everything. But you know, if I get a project, I'll, I'll break it down and I'll see what I can do, and and then I'll, you know, see if it's possible, and then I'll start break. You know, it's just, it's like, it's like, it's like one little step after another. So, you know, it, it's funny. It's um, I started painting murals because I. I, I do a lot of work with, um, um, with, with different groups with disabilities and, and not, but to help spread, spread disability awareness. The first mural I did was, um, it, it was for world, world sight day and it was, it was in New York and I painted the mural to celebrate world sight day because a mural had never been painted before. So I worked out some ways that I, I would be able to do it. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and I've been do, doing them ever since, but, um, but they are a ton of work. <laughs> wow. 
Yeah, I can imagine. That is a huge canvas. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that was sort of the thing because in my studio, even if I'm painting a really large canvas, like I have a, a four-foot canvas right next to me, um, like an eight-foot canvas next to that that I'm working on, even if it's a big canvas, you can still, like, you know, you, you can take a step or two and touch it. But if you're working on, like, an 80-foot wide by, you know, 80-foot tall, you know, wall or something, it's nuts. You know, you can't, you know, you're on a boom lift and you have a radio and you're, you know, you're being kind of put all over the wall on it, you know. And so but there, there's ways to be able to, to do that, though. So I, I, I break it all up. And but, um, yeah, it's definitely a challenge. But that's why I started doing them just to see if I could. OK, wow, that is super interesting. That's crazy. Life is strange, man. I, I you know, it's funny. When, whenever I first started painting, I never thought anybody would see a painting. Of mine. I never thought about it. And then, like two 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 years ago, I was I was made a cultural ambassador for the United States, where where they'll, they'll send you out to be like an ambassador of the arts to other 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 places. And really, and I thought, man, that's so cool that you know, like I, I don't know that like the USA, you know, like the states would would actually think, you know, that they want you to represent art, you know, that they want you to talk about art and, and, and to take mm-hmm. culture to other places and talk about it. And I thought, man, this, this is so brilliant because, you know, we, we've gone from a time when there weren't people who were visually impaired painting to a time when, you know, when to now where, you know, it's becoming more of a, a normal kind of thing. Um, I, I know, I know like I, I, I've taught painting, we're, we're teaching painting to, for, for children who are blind and um, we've done it in Brazil. We've done it in, in about, Gosh, I don't know. I, I've done it personally in about seven different states here in, in the U.S. for schools for the blind. But then that's being taken to all the different states with different pro- programs. But children who are blind are starting to learn how to paint. And you would think, well, that's nice. It's a good hobby. But, but it's actually, it's hugely important. It, it's, it's amazing because the way that I paint is using the O&M skills, like those cane skills that we were talking about, that let you be able to travel independently. Mm-hmm. So all these children are learning their O&M skills really early. And their ability to get around, it just explodes. Like in a couple weeks of them painting, of bringing art into their lives, they're able to get around their classrooms easier. They're able to remember like where their cup is, their fork is, because they're building these really complex spatial maps in their brains. And it's just, it's, it's amazing how yeah, art wow. is just making lives better. I just, I don't know. I get, I get the tingles whenever I, I, I think about it. Wow, that's super interesting. What's it like being a cultural ambassador? Oh, Am- ambassador. <laughs> oh, it was really cool. And then, and, then, and then COVID hit. So then it was just Zoom. <laughs> oh, so, so that is it was cool. terrible timing. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we went to Brazil and we, we did some things there. And um, and, um, and and that and, and that that was really fun. But then but then um, COVID hit. So so it's just a lot of Zoom stuff. But um, but that's but that's cool. So it's it's, you know, it was just it was nice. It was really nice being being asked to, to do that. And um but, you know, I don't know. It's just a great way to, to, to spread disability awareness. And, and also to, you know, to, to have people, you know, even if disability awareness isn't your thing, if you never think about disability, but you're into art, it's a whole different way of understanding art. You know, because I think when we think about painting, we just think about vision. And painting isn't about vision. You know, it's about experiencing the world. It's about understanding the world and, and all, all the emotions, all of our ideas, you know, and that's that's the thing that makes us human you know that's so i don't know i i I think being able to spread visual art as a non-visual person it just opens the whole the 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 conversation of what what is art what is visual art so i like doing that Mm -hmm. that's fun 
Yeah, that is super neat. Wow. All right. Well, uh, okay. Last question I'll ask you. This is uh, what I ask everybody at the end of these uh, interviews. What, if you could have, like, do you have like one piece of advice for every other artist and creator in general listening? Yeah, fail, fail a lot um, and be okay with failing. Like, like you need to fail, fail, fail. Because um, <laughs> if you're not failing, then you're probably not trying enough new things. Um, and I, I know, I know that sounds weird, but, um, you know, I, I've been, I've been, I've been fortunate to be able to, to, to meet some people that, that, um, that, that I, I really admired, like some actors, some, some musicians, some, um, athletes, you know, um, just some incredible people that are at the top of their, their field, you know, and what they do. And it's so strange because I'll, I'll, I'll ask these people like, well, what is it? What is it? You know, if you, if you could give any bit of advice, what kind of advice would you give? And almost every time I get that same thing back is like, you know, you, you, you gotta be okay with failing. You know, you've got to be okay with putting yourself out there, you know, and, and, and I think, I think that's probably the biggest thing because the only thing really holding us back is ourselves. You know, most of the time, that's it. You know, we're afraid of trying something new. If we don't get it right, right away, then, then we won't keep doing it, you know, but you got to keep pl- plugging at it. Um, I think the smartest thing I did when I started painting after losing my eyesight was I said, I wasn't going to judge anything I did for a year. And that's really hard to do because you're constantly wanting to judge yourself, especially if you're a creative person. You know, you're, you know, you, you, you're creative people are some of the nicest people you ever meet. They're so nice to everybody else around them, but they're also some of the people that are the hardest on themselves, you know, so they'll really, (laughs) they'll really, you know, like if you make a mistake, you're like, oh man, that's so stupid. I can't believe I did that. I'll never get this. You know, it'll never work. And you just got to throw that away, you know? And, um, and just be okay with failing over and over and over again. Like it doesn't really matter. What what matters is the process, is trying, is, is giving it a go. You know, so like with a painting, I'm going to make hundreds and hundreds of mistakes on every painting that I do. And every time I make one, I try to correct it. I try to correct it. I keep going. I keep going. At the end of it, hopefully I'll end up with a painting that I really like, that I think, you know, it, it, it worked. If I don't, I still learned a lot from that painting. And then I'll just put the painting on, on a rack that I have in, the, in my studio called the Rack of Shame, where it's all these paintings that haven't worked out. <laughs> but I don't really care. Like, you know, it's like I still had a great time doing it. Like, it was still very therapeutic. And I learned a lot from that painting. Like, I learned some things of what not to do. And then the next painting that I work on, I'm a little bit better at, you know, and I, I, I can take those lessons. You know, so whether the painting works out or not, it's still a success because I was able to go through that process, you know, and. And, um, so I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't hate myself or I don't really get down on myself if I don't, if it doesn't work out, I really want it to succeed. So I've always got that motivation to kind of push harder, but I'm okay if I fail because even failure with that sort of attitude is a success. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That is super good advice. I could not agree more. Ooh, brilliant. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I think it's better to keep trying new things and failing them over and over again, rather than to just take one thing and like. Uh, keep working on it until it becomes good even if you're like like just doing the same thing over and over again because you know you're good at that it's like just staying the same is like staying static hurts like a lot i think yeah it always like just stumps your growth completely yeah yeah it's it's really good for your ego because if you're good at something and you keep doing that thing that you're good at then you feel really good you're like oh i'm really good you know but you never grow you know you never you know it's kind of it's kind of like if if somebody is an expert of of something and it's like oh i'm an expert about that 
I always, I always hate to hear that or, you know, because I think, well, 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 maybe they've stopped growing in it. You know, if they feel like, 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 like they're an expert, then they're not really taking a lot in anymore, you know? And so, but it doesn't always mean that, but I always, always have to question it. So if somebody calls themselves mm-hmm. an expert on something, I always think like, hmm, I have to make sure that they are still growing and <laughs> that they're still learning. <laughs> All right. Really good advice. Oh, thanks, man. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. And uh, just to satisfy public spam account, because I know you're listening to this and hoping I'm going to ask this, uh, John Bramblett, what is your favorite type of cheese? Oh, my goodness. I'm boring when it comes to cheese. Like, I like cheddar. Um, <laughs> so I, I guess cheddar is it's, it's, it's my go-to. Um, I, I, I live in te- te- Texas, and I, we use it on a, on a lot of different um, quesadillas, tacos, fajitas, um, you name it, we'll, 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 we'll sprinkle it on there. Fair, fair choice. Classic. A classic <laughs> choice. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you guys all so much for listening. And thank you, John, for coming on the podcast. It was wonderful to have you. Thank you so much, Sean. I, I had a great time. I'm really happy to hear that. I will see you guys in the next episode. Bye-bye, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the 11th episode of the Create Stuff Podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Remember, leave a like, comment, and subscribe. If you're on uh, another podcasting platform, such as Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you should follow me or leave like a rating or whatever it is you do on your specific platform. It really helps me a lot. Seriously, if you can, just go click it real quick. It takes so little of your time and it'll affect you so little in the future. And if you, for some reason, decide that you're unhappy with what you did, just take it off. But seriously, it helps me a lot when you do that, just in the algorithm. So yeah, thank you. Also, please do consider donating to one of the nonprofits in the description, all related to the blind in some way. I think that there's some really cool organizations, and I think they fit the theme of this podcast really, really well. Appreciate you all so much. Thank you. If you can't do that, don't worry about it. Uh, I'm going to quickly shout out just three little things that some cool people I know have made. Though before that, this is not one of the things, but you should check out my other podcast, SCP Authors Anomalous. If you don't know what the SCP wiki is, I explained it all in episode zero, but it's essentially this really cool creative collaborative writing project um, that takes place inside of a, uh, a genre, like a, a website called the SCP wiki, which has a ton of different genres within it. Though it's more, I would say it has mostly like horror and science fiction uh, elements. You can really find any genre anywhere there, like any genre of any type, just because of how incredibly fast it is. On that podcast, I talk to authors and we read out their works on the podcast and discuss them. It's really fun. It's a lot less edited than this is. It's a little bit more raw. And um, I've been enjoying recording it a lot. A lot more episodes are coming out of that. It's really cool to meet these people and talk to them and hear what they have to say about their works. So yeah, if you like create stuff, you might like that because it does, especially if you're a writer, I think you should just, just give it a shot. First off, my good friend and a previous guest on this podcast, Moderately Mediocre, recently released their first album on Spotify. It is called Parasocial Paranoia. Link will be in the description. It's very, very cool, and I helped them come up with a name for it, and I'm quite proud of it. You should check it out. Second thing, someone I know from the musical, who I haven't really talked to yet, but I think is very cool, named Rainbot, has been releasing some awesome songs recently. I hope I pronounced their name right, but a link to their channel is in the description. You guys should really go check them out. They have some awesome Dream SMP songs that they've released recently, and I like them a lot. And one last thing, my friends Ian Has Opinions and Moderately Mediocre have both released two songs together. One of them is Legacy, based off of Slimesicle's lore in the Dream SMP. That was by Moderately Mediocre. And the other one is All Just Memories by Ian Has Opinions, based off of uh, Snapnap's lore. They're both really good songs, and they leaked them both to me, which made me very, very happy. I think they're really cool. You should go check them out. Links are in the description. 
thank you so much for coming to watch this episode of Create Stuff Podcast. Uh, I'm going to try and branch out from having just a dream SMP people at the end of this, but that's just kind of who my friends are at this point, mostly because I get these from Lemanberg the Musical People, because uh, that's just a really cool crew. Um, yeah, thank you guys all so much for coming. Check out some other episodes if you have some time, and I hope you have a wonderful holiday season. Oh, and since you actually decided to listen to this far, uh, I don't usually do this, but I would like to give you all a little, little secret, a little something you can't tell anyone else. You can't tell anyone else about this, you're not allowed to. This is a secret. It stays between you and me only. Only you and me. This is a leak, a leak that I have not gotten permission to give, but I'm giving it to you because you listen to this far, viewer, and I think that's really, really cool. Here's the leak. I am starting two new podcasts. I brought this up. I brought up that I'm starting the third and fourth podcast on my Discord channel, I think. I'm starting two new podcasts. One of them is a Dungeons and Dragons podcast with some really, really cool people with a fun little gimmick that involves, well, let's just say, usually a D&D game is run by one person, but, uh, you know, okay, we, we can, we're gonna, we're gonna mix that up a little bit. Uh, and the other thing, fourth podcast, let's just say it's, uh, it's, it's really stupid. It's like really, really stupid. And it will be very, very casual, but will be also very, very fun. If you enjoy comedy podcasts, you'll probably enjoy that because I am doing a podcast with two very, very funny people that is significantly less professional than my other ones. <laughs> Not that SCP and Authors and Novelists is super professional anyways. Not as professional as Create Stuff, I guess I should say. Not that Create Stuff is also like really, really professional. I'm gonna just stop. Uh, thanks, uh, don't like this, bye-bye. I put my fate into your hands. If you betray me, I will never forgive you. Bye-bye.